Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
a teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to the Special Education Advocacy with Ashley Barlow podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow and I'm so happy you're here. Woo, this is our last podcast of 2020. Thank goodness we've come to the end of this year. It has certainly been an interesting year in special education. I'm so happy to have had you along with me as we have gone through this journey together. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for rating the podcast on whatever platform you use. Your input has really helped me to improve the information that I give you in the content that I provide, and it has also been so encouraging to me. You know, starting a business during a pandemic is not something that I had on my to-do list last year on New Year's Eve, but it has certainly been an honor, and I've really appreciated all of your input and your support. I hope to continue to provide you excellent content in the years to come and certainly hope that 2021 brings nothing but good things to you and to your family. Today, we're actually going to talk about preparing for the second semester. Now, that is something that I had thought to talk about way before we knew that the coronavirus pandemic would continue so far into 2021, um, but it's something that we can still talk about and we'll give it a little bit of a COVID spin as we do almost everything these days. So the title of today's podcast is Three Tips for preparing for the second semester during a pandemic. And I feel like there's a big asterisk before during, bump, 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 during a pandemic. Now we talked about preparing for the school year all the way back in episode four when my friend Sarah Plattenberg joined us. And if you haven't listened to that um, podcast, I do encourage you to go back to listen to episode four because there are some really good tips that we talked about that would apply to preparing for a second semester as well. And one thing I wanna stop and talk about here is that a lot of people don't actually take pause before the second semester begins to say, oh, how can we make second semester better than first semester? What can we do to improve on, second, on first semester during the second semester? And I think that can be really, really helpful to do. So if it's not something that you've ever done before and this is a new concept to you, Welcome aboard. I hope that these strategies that we talk about today are super helpful and really um, put you on the right path for a successful semester of learning and development in 2021. Before we get into today's episode though, I want to talk to you about something that is really exciting, something that is new to Ashley Barlow Company. We're going to start the year off with a challenge. I'm calling it the 2021 New Year's SPED Parent Challenge. Not a super creative name, I'll give you that. Um, I wanted to spend more time on the content that I did on the title, so we're just doing a challenge for parents in special education. It truly is a challenge to get you organized and prepared for a semester or a year of learning. This is a completely free challenge. It'll be done completely electronically. You do not have to attend anything live. 
All you need to do is to sign up to join the mailing list. And what you're gonna get is you're gonna get four weeks of content during the month of January 2021 that will get you prepared for not only the semester of learning ahead, but for your future and advocacy as a parent of a child that is in special education services. We will do four Instagram Lives, one per week during January of 2021. I will also send you a weekly workbook that will help you work on the challenge topic of the particular week that we're in in January, and that will include a weekly task list. During the first week, what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time getting organized. The second week, we'll look really deeply into your child's profiles so that we can help you to capitalize on your child's strengths while addressing your child's areas of growth. Then we will dive into the child's actual documentation. Think progress monitoring, think data. We're gonna dive in and we're gonna look at what we can do to um, improve on the way that things have been going. And then we'll finish up with some really important work to prepare us for learning during this COVID-19 pandemic, which is actually what we'll conclude today's podcast with as well. So we'll talk about how we're going to reintegrate into the quote unquote real world. We'll talk about kind of all things compensatory education and how we can prepare ourselves for that reintegration. So what this challenge does, I hope, is I hope that it will get you organized and empowered and really ready to take on the second semester of learning and your future as an advocate for your child in special education. I like to talk about the parent in the role as the general contractor or the CEO of their child's special education experience. So I hope this gets you prepared for that. Something that I think a lot about in New Year's resolutions is just sitting down and committing to doing something. And as I interact with parents in special education so often, the problem that I see is that they say, yeah, I've got it all, it's just not organized and I don't know what to do with it. And so if you commit to a couple hours a week for this challenge, I hope to get you organized and ready to actually do something with the knowledge that you have and the information that you have at your hands. No, you don't have to attend anything live. No, you won't get a grade on your homework. No, there's no cost. There's really no excuse to not sign up for this 2021 New Year's SPED Parent Challenge. I hope that you'll join me. Hop over to my website to sign up for it. All you need to do is give us your email address and everything will flow from there. So let's get into today's episode, the last one for 2020. The title is Three Tips for for Preparing for the Second Semester During a Pandemic. And the first tip that we're going to talk about is I really want for you to think about communicating any progress reports and any regression to school. So I want for you to really sit down and take in some information. I want for you to kind of dive deep into information that you have that is accessible to you. So you might start by looking at the data that school has given you from the first semester, look at data from outside therapies, from tutoring, and then also from home. If you don't take data at home, then that's something that I think you should start to do and maybe make as a resolution for the second semester. If you didn't get that information, now is the time to ask for it. 
If you didn't take it at home, what I think would be really smart to do would be to spend an hour with the IEP document in front of you and to really think critically and to reflect on how things went. Think about each and every goal. Think about the supplementary aids and services. And per your recollection, record that information. You can do it in a messy manner. You can include all of your subjective feelings and the objective data that you might have, even as minimal as it might be. If no data was taken at all, any place, at school, outside therapies, outside tutoring, at home, really think about why and, re and, and kind of reflect on why that might be. And you might get some good information and just why. So I want for you to kind of think about what you've done at home, what you've done outside, and then why there might be an absence of data altogether. Then I went for you to record baseline data for every single goal. This will help you to get prepared for second semester. So especially if it wasn't really well done during first semester, it's important that we have the good information for second semester, which will help us if we have a compensatory education claim in the future. So spend another hour with the IEP. Now you're an hour two, not a big commitment, right? And what you're gonna do is you're going to think about what the baseline is. And the way that you do that is by testing. So sit down with your child with the IEP and test your child on each and every goal or benchmark that's in the IEP and record that. That way you've got it and you've got a baseline for January of 2021 or the end of December of 2020. Then what I want for you to do is I want for you to reflect on that data, all of it, outside sources, inside sources, baseline data, data from the beginning of the semester. See if you can find patterns. Did everything go south in November? Did everything get better after a little bit of a Thanksgiving holiday? How did things look when you were quarantining and home? How did things look when, the, when a curricula um, piece changed? How did things look when you added the um, adult assistance? What changes happened? How did that affect the patterns? Did you absolutely get no services on particular goals? Really look at what you got and what you have, what you generated yourself, and look for patterns. Once you find the patterns, what you can do is you can boil down all the minutia, all the independent data points into something that actually makes sense. So now is when you get to kind of kick it in and say, okay, this is when I can use my gut reaction. I can look at the objective data points and I can use my gut reaction and say, oh, this is what actually happened and this is the reason why. What we're going to do is we're going to communicate that information, that subjective kind of boil it down um, um, summary that you've come up with into something that makes sense with that objective data as the substantiation behind it. So we're going to communicate this information in a document that we send to the school. That's step one. You're going to communicate the progress and any regression that has occurred. Uh, step number two is the graceful communication of your observations, of that deduction that you just made. This is the pattern, this is why it happened, and then you're also going to look at areas of growth opportunity for second semester, and we're gonna figure out a way to gracefully communicate that. 
So let's move on to step number two, where we actually come out of the documentation and we talk about how we're going to communicate it. So you've looked at the data and you should have something to communicate effectively. Now we're going to build on that. So what I think you could also look at is other areas for growth opportunity. And what I think would be really great is if you actually looked into the IEP for this information. Are there opportunities for more inclusion? Are there opportunities for more minutes, for more special education services? Could we get better modifications or um, accommodations? What about different access to the modifications and accommodations? What about if something was not particularly appropriate when we were doing in-person learning, but it has become more appropriate and or necessary now that we're doing a virtual platform or a blended platform, something like that? Could we use any other supplementary aid or service somehow differently, somehow better? Let's look at each one of those things and say, hmm, I think we could actually use this differently, or this was not happening at all, and if we used it, I could see how things might improve. What about a different use of the technology? What about some other change or alternative to the technology? If your child spent more time being taught how to sit and look at a Zoom or how to mute and unmute than actually learning, we need to communicate that. And we need to say, you know, this is how this actually looked. And here are some suggestions for how to make it better in the future. Maybe we need more in-person services. Maybe we need more minutes. Maybe we need access to peers. What you're going to do is you're going to look at the IEP and you're gonna say, how can we make this look different? What were we getting? What were we not getting? And what needs to be done differently? Now, this is really kind of parallel to what I published right at the beginning of the first semester in a freebie that's on my website that's called Preparing for Remote Learning. And in that document, I describe the stoplight method that I recommend. Basically, what you do is you go through the IEP and you think about how you're learning now and you take three different colored highlighters or markers. And if you use the stoplight method, you would do green, yellow, and red. Green is, yeah, this particular thing works fine in our current learning environment. Yellow is, eh, it's working or it would work, but it needs a particular tweak or some kind of adjustment. And red is, this is not going to work, and that's okay. And if it's red, then we need to start thinking about when do we look at compensatory services and compensatory education? When do we say enough's enough and we start to strategize for other solutions, other ways to meet the goal? What can we do in order to meet this in some kind of creative and alternative way? You know, the Department of Ed has said that we have to allow flexibility, which is absolutely understandable and reasonable during a global pandemic. However, we also still have to meet the needs of each individual child that is on an IEP. And so we have to think creatively as a team and collaborate when there are things that are just impracticable or even impossible to meet. And so if you haven't already downloaded that document, I encourage you to download the document about remote learning and to look at that stoplight method here at the beginning of the second semester. 
Then what we're gonna do in number two is we're going to think about how to communicate all of the foregoing gracefully. So I think it's really important to start with the positive. I'm certain that you'll be able to find some area of growth, some way to encourage the teachers. You know, this year has legitimately been very, very, very difficult on teachers, on the related support staff, on administrators, and every person that works at a school. It's also been very difficult on parents of children with special education opportunities, and if we expect that kind of empathy, we should also give it out to the other people on the team. And so even if it's something really minute or it even kind of seems sideways, figure out a way to gracefully and humbly communicate your gratitude for the commitment that you did get and anything that happened positively. Really express that empathy. It can go a really, really, really far way. Then I want for you to remember to keep the email student-centered and solution-oriented. We aren't going to spend a whole lot of time talking about how you're on the verge of a nervous breakdown because we all are. <laughs> we aren't going to spend a whole, a whole lot of time talking about a complaint with a choice that the district made or something that is rhetorical and out of the hands of the audience. We have to remember that for the most part, the people on the IEP team don't have a whole lot of power to change the district's decisions. They simply have to make do with what the district has recommended. And so if the district has said no in-person services, then the IEP team, in particular the teachers, aren't gonna have a whole lot of authority to go to the school board and say, hey, for this particular child, we have to do in-person services. And we just have to face that and we have to think strategically around it. And so I went for you to keep the email student-centered. It also should be solution-oriented. If the email comes off as just some kind of big, long um, listing of complaints, it's not going to be well-received. And we need to get stuff done. Now is not the time to be stuck in a ho-hum, woe-is-me kind of attitude. If you know me personally, you know I don't get stuck in that attitude very often at all. I think the optimism and the fixing kind of mentality is really going to be appreciated by a school and you might get services, you might get those solutions more um, readily if you follow this strategy because what schools are looking for is tell me what's wrong and tell me how to fix it. Check, check, move on. They've got a lot of fires to put out. If you can help them put out a couple of fires, you're more likely to get something done in my experience and in my opinion. Also, I want for you to consider the school's perspectives and values and interests. You know, I talk a lot about the principles in the book, Getting to Yes. And in that book, we talk about interest-based negotiation. And so one of the school's um, particular interests might be scheduling. And so if you're asking for more time in person, they might immediately think, I don't know how I'm gonna fit that in. I don't know how that fits into the schedule. And so it might be important for you to consider the schedule in suggesting the solutions or the strategies that would help for your child. You've got to think about the school's values and interests and perspectives so that you continue to collaborate. Without thinking about the why behind their positions, you won't get very far. So remember to use interest-based negotiation strategies. 
And then as you're thinking about all of those things and with all of those things as the undertone, you're going to ultimately com complete or draft that email where you communicate the objective information that you've gathered, as well as your subjective information, your deductions, your synopses of what the strengths are, what the areas for growth opportunity are, and then the golden bridge of suggestions or strategies or solutions. You're going to say, this is what, we're, what, this is what went really well, and this is where I think we have opportunity for growth. And therefore, this is what I suggest. And you're going to back all of that up with the objective information that you gathered and that you brainstormed at the very beginning of the process. Now you're gonna send that over to school in a really comprehensive email that is positive and solution oriented. And if your team prefers to meet or if your team works better in a meeting, you might suggest an informal meeting, a phone call with the teacher, a phone call with an administrator, a formal IEP meeting, whatever feels right to your district, you might consider having some kind of meeting in addition to sending the email. And then you're gonna continue along in the discussion to see if you can really improve on what happened in first semester during the second semester. See, if we sit in discontentedness, if we sit in dissatisfaction, we ourselves start to become even more dissatisfied, even more discontented. If we put on our optimistic hats and we really act as the CEO and the general contractor of our child's IEP process and special education process, we might get something done. We might get those little victories. And that's what it takes in order to get the big victory. And so I really encourage you to follow this process. Now, the third step that we're going to talk about is I want for you to explore compensatory education. And what I wanna say about comp ed at the very outset of this discussion is comp ed does not have to be adversarial. We don't have to look at comp ed as though it is punitive. The United States Department of Education has said it, state departments of ed have said it, Comp ed is something that's available as a remedy when children are not getting free appropriate public educations. It is nothing more than that. It does not have to be adversarial. How do we prepare for compensatory education? Let's take a little bit of a look at what the United States Department of Education has said about learning during COVID. Let's hear what they have said. So on March 13th of 2020, right at the beginning of a lot of school closures, the USDOE came out and it had this quote. It, it wrote a document called, Questions and Answers on Providing Services to Children with Disabilities During the Coronavirus Disease 2019 Update or Outbreak. And the date of it was March 2020. It was published on March 13th of 2020. And what they said in this document, and this is a quote from it, is SEAs and LEAs, that's like school districts um, uh, and schools, must ensure that to the greatest extent possible, each student with a disability can be, can be provided the special education and related services identified in the student's IEP developed under IDEA or a plan developed under Section 504. So what they said is students get the services that are in their IEP regardless of what's happening. 
Now that raises the question, well, what happens if they can't? What if we highlighted it with red? Ashley just said there's gonna be services that we can't get that are impossible or impracticable during this time period because of the child's vulnerabilities, because of the teacher's vulnerabilities, because of the nature of the service itself, or because of some other factor. And so what do we do if it can't happen? Well, this is not something that is unique to COVID-19. There have been school closures for other natural disasters like tornadoes and hurricanes and things like that. And there have also been children that haven't been able to access their school because of other illnesses. And so this is something that we faced before. There's actually a document called Letter to Geary that addressed it a few years back. And it's something that individual districts have dealt with with individual students for ages and ages. And so the Department of Ed came back out with another document, which it called Supplemental Fact Sheet, colon, Addressing the Risk of COVID-19 in Preschool, Elementary, and Secondary Schools. And this was dated March 21st of 2020. And it really got into comp ed. So what it said first was that school districts have to provide that FAPE to children that are on IEPs, and, they, and it has to be consistent with the need to protect the health and safety of students with disabilities and those individuals providing the education, the specialized instruction and related services to the students. So we have to reconcile the ability to provide the FAPE with the health concerns. And it says, in this unique and ever-changing environment, OCR, that's the Office of Civil Rights, and OSERS, which is the Office of Special Education and Rehabilitative Services, both of these are under the United States Federal Department of Education, those two offices recognize that these exceptional circumstances may affect how all education and related services and supports are provided. And the department will offer flexibility where provided. And so that word flexibility now has a new meaning. The services have to be provided, but they are allowed to be provided with flexibility. Now, after this document came out, the United States Department of Education secretary said, well, gosh, should we consider some waivers? This seems very stringent. And lots of different advocacy um, efforts were collaborated and ultimately the secretary of the department of ed said no we are not going to issue any waivers students on ieps should be provided the services that are in their ieps and if not they're entitled to compensatory services we have to continue to consider that flexibility that we considered back in march of 2020 but the services have to be provided or comp ed will be available and so in that March 20th of 2020 letter, we get this kind of second really important quote about ComPed, and it says, where due to the global pandemic and resulting closures of schools, there has been an inevitable delay in providing services or even making decisions about how to provide services. IEP teams must make an individual determination whether and to what extent compensatory services may be needed when schools resume normal operations.
And so the Department of Ed has said, yes, Comp Ed might be available. If you need to go to your district with a Comp Ed request, then these two documents would be really important things to probably print out and take along with you. And your State Department of Ed also might have said something about compensatory services. Those documents would help to say, listen, this is not punitive. This is not me complaining. It's simply me saying that regression has occurred or that there's been a lack of services provided and therefore we need to get the child caught up. So what is compensatory education? What is this big animal that we keep hearing about comp ed? So what comp ed is, is it's a remedy. It is a solution and it is appropriate when one of two things happens. Either a child does not make progress and it, it would be the progress that would have been anticipated. So the child is regressing or is not making the progress that we reasonably would have expected or when a service has not been provided. You know, we just aren't getting orientation and mobility because in order to get that, we have to have proximity and we can't be close to the child because state regulations prohibit it, something like that. And so it's either when there's regression or a lack of progress or when the service just downright has not been provided. Now, combat is not a dollar for dollar, hour for hour kind of thing in most jurisdictions. Rather, the purpose of combat is to put the child in the position that the child reasonably would have been in had the child made the expected progress or had the child gotten that service. And so if you were supposed to get O&M that is, um, you know, an hour a week for 50 weeks, then are you entitled to 50 weeks absolutely for O&M? And most jurisdictions, probably not. Rather, you would get what 50 hours of O&M probably would get you. And so this is the discussion that would have to occur within the IEP team or at the due process table. That's what COMBED is. It's actually not an idea. It's rather found in case law. It's a remedy that you have to look for in case law. And so we know that COMBED will be available. We know when it's available. We know how much kind of a range might be available. And so how do we start to build our case? You know, the third thing that I talked about was really exploring compensatory education. And it might be time to, to, to start talking about it on a certain goal now. It might be time to just start to really think about it and to start looking at whether or not your child might be entitled to compensatory education and might need additional services in order to get caught up. So what do you look for? you're obviously gonna start looking for regression or for a lack of progress. You're also gonna watch for reports of progress that look like progress, but actually are regression. So when you get progress reporting from school, you need to look at it critically, particularly if it comes from one of those computer systems. If it comes from some kind of specially designed instruction that is not delivered by a teacher, you should look at it very critically, ask important questions to actually see if progress is happening. You might wanna look at percentile rank to see a child, yes, might be making progress, but are they making progress at the same rate as what their other peers are supposed to be making? Are they making progress at the rate that they have made in the past? Look at the data really critically to ensure that progress that actually looks like progress is not a regression or some kind of stagnation. You also want to watch out for missed services. 
So you can look at data and see what dates data was taken to make sure that a child actually got OT when they were supposed to get OT or got speech when they were supposed to get speech. You might start to keep track when a teacher has to reschedule or cut something short or something like that. And then look to see if those missed services actually have an impact on your child's progress, on their ability to retain information and to continue to work at their special education goals. Obviously, you're going to document, document, document every single piece of this. And then when the time is right, and only you know when the time is right, then you need to communicate your concerns. And ultimately, if it's appropriate, you might consider asking for a compensatory education award. Now that's as far as I'm going to take it. You might wanna to talk to an advocate or attorney in your particular region to, for more information on this, but I think it's an important thing to talk about and we really can't talk about learning during a pandemic and preparing for the second semester, kind of wrapping up the year without talking about comp ed. I hope that these three steps help you. I really encourage you to hop over to the website to sign up for the challenge that we're starting in January of 2021. Thank you again for joining me along this journey this year in 2020. I look forward to continuing to meet same time, same place in 2021. Happy New Year, friends.